0: Hi, my name is Ifal Funke, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Ifa Funk. I'm very tired today, so forgive me, but I'm praying that I'll get through this, and I think it'll go well. Um, funny story, I, I walked into the other meeting, and I was, whenever I'm new to a meeting, I always feel kind of ego. And it's like, well, who are you? And I'm like, I'm your speaker. And they're like, well, we're a choir. <laughs> so that was nice to dull me down. <laughs> I guess i I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do my share a little bit backwards. I'm gonna check in and then tell say a bit of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And I, I'm gonna read from for today. Today is August 12th. So and it, it's funny. I was just pick, I was like, well, let's pick the day, and it really is what I'm going through today. And it says, a theorist without practice is a tree a tree without fruit, and a vo- devotee without learning is a house without an entrance, by Sadi. If I talk a spiritual program and practice that program to the best of my ability, people will ask me to share my experience. They want what I have because I have what is obvious even to the newcomer. If, on the other hand, I make suggestions I do not follow, my words are hollow, without sounds without conviction. It is a waste to pretend to be something I am not because I am missing out on the rewards of the program. To start walking the way I talk, I need only the willingness to ask for help. For today... It has been said that no one is too dumb to work the 12-step program, but there are those who are too smart. I pray to God to keep me from being too smart. So it's funny that someone asked me to share about a week ago, and I have this ongoing joke with God that I'm always supposed to share at just the right time. And yesterday was probably one of the most difficult days I've ever had in program. I've been in program for probably 11 years and abstinent for about... um, eight and a half, and I've lost probably around 160 pounds from my top weight, and um, I'm going to give the background story, even though I love that saying in the big book that says self-knowledge avails us nothing, because I had this dinner with about 20 people on Friday, and then I have a business where I vend in public, and I vended in an event with about 10,000 people on Saturday, and then I went to my partner's house, who's like closing down his house for a party with about 40 people on Sunday. So my anxiety and my overwhelm and my tiredness were just like the, But the self-knowledge veils me nothing because I had about five extra teaspoons of food that I needed. And I woke up this morning and go, I can't share at that meeting. It's just like they're gonna I, I was like convinced someone was gonna come and go, you know, you're a fraud. <laughs> Can you like just that's not gonna happen though? And what the reading really brought brought to me is um this isn't a place to be fake. I mean, having a, 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 a an eating disorder and then being, like, fake about what's actually going on on top of it is just, like, really, really impossible. And what I can say that I've learned from this experience, and backtrack a little bit, I'm four months pregnant, and my food has just been, like, really, really different. Um, I went from being, like, there were certain things I absolutely didn't eat to, like, I couldn't stomach what I ate anymore. And when pregnant women tell me that, I'm like, oh, you just want to, like, do whatever. But it really felt like that. And I say that because um, all the time I've been coming to meetings, I've heard people talk about their divorce for five years, their dead cat for three years, their parent that passed for ten years, and no one ever said, okay, we've had enough. So I told myself, I'm going to keep coming to every single meeting and talk about being pregnant and how my food feels, and call as many people as possible. And I'm gonna get it out of my mind that I should like know how to deal with it and not ask for help. And like that, you know, you're tired of hearing me talk about it. Because one, I don't know what's going on in your head, and two, it's the only way that I'm gonna process it by talking about it. Which is something I've definitely learned in meetings. Like it can't be done alone, and it can't. There's no way I can figure it out in my head. So I'll. I'll and what the things that I've I've learned. Just in the past 24 hours is that, it's like obvious, I'm a compulsive overeater. I do not have any kind of common sense when it comes to food. And I've heard people say, like, you know, I came and I did program for about 25 years and I figured, like, I got this, and then boom. And you go, ah, that could happen to me, but, you know. But, like, it, I'm so <clears throat> insane around food that I'm convinced I'm going to have to weigh and measure until my dying day. Like, even if I were, like, on death row right now and someone said, what do you want to eat? It'd still be like, I'll have a cup of this, four ounces of that, and two cups of this. That's, like, how dedicated I am to this program. I wouldn't even be like, well, you know. This this. <laughs> Which I think is really cute. And um, I was just talking to God in my head when you guys are doing the reading, and it, it's like... <laughs> Trying to focus on gratitude, you know, I come from a family where like absolutely everyone is an addict and if they're not an addict, they run in the complete opposite direction of being a complete control freak. And I, so when I was talking, I was like, wow, I, I, I'm really grateful to be a compulsive reader. As crazy as it sounds, and trust me, I'm not jumping in gratitude all the time, because I have no rubric for life. I mean, finding OA and sticking to the program... It's just am- it's amazing because I really feel like it's a gift from God that I had to be so out of my down and out and completely out of my luck that I had to to do this really rigorous program. And when I first got abstinent, my sponsor used to tell me, "What you eat is nobody else's concern, and they really don't care." And I, it was really weird. Like I'd go to restaurants with other people and have like my own food, and it it felt kind of shameful and awkward. And then they actually started to kind of like it. And it didn't really matter. And like it just not really. It just absolutely didn't matter. And if it did, it's just like their issue. So I'm 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 finding that as much as like I don't really wouldn't say I don't want to, but I've just got my humanness is set in that I really need to like go back to basics of you know, eating out often just doesn't work for me. A buffet has never worked for me. Family style has never worked for me. It probably never will. I don't care how much, the most of the serenity and sobriety I can get around it is to say that doesn't work for me. So that's, uh, I'm praying for the willingness to just, you know, I've already had dinner, wake up tomorrow, weigh and measure, which I have been doing, and, you know, be satisfied and go on. And I, I truly believe it will happen because, um, I, I, I just truly believe it will happen. My human brain wants to say, you know, there's nothing out there really listening to you, but I went from being a completely, like, Daily suicidal ideations, severely overweight to the point where at 19 it was causing me like health difficulties. To like not being like that anymore, and it wasn't like my own doing. I just asked for help and talked to people about it. So that clearly is like miracles happen. So if I have to suck it up tomorrow and say this is what I'm gonna do, please help me. Then that that's that's all there has to be to it. So I came to OA. I want to say it was about 13 years ago, actually. And I came on it as a complete, like, uh, (laughs) to me it was a fluke. It was clearly God. Because I was talking to someone, and she was eating all these foods that, like, were, it was basically like an extremely paleo diet. And she was like, oh, I go to this other program. And I was like, what the hell? That's the answer right there. And instead of going to that program, my head just went, well, why don't you see if there's something called Overeaters Anonymous? And I typed it up, and I used to live in San Francisco at the time. And I went to my first meeting, I believe, it wasn't at the marina dock, it was like in Soma. And it was the a meeting with, um. it was like a bulimics and anorexics meeting, but I didn't read that. All I read was overeaters. And I was, you know, just, I was always uncomfortable in my body. Because one, I couldn't really fit into places and always having to think about like, you know, What's my next step going to be? I couldn't even really fit into the chair. And I think it had, like, arms on it. And I'm in this room with really thin people, and they're talking about something that's, like, this looming monkey over my head that I don't quite know what it was. My compulsive overeating is to the, to the nature of, like, I could be eating boxes of something, and my head tells me I'm, doing, I'm having a good day. Like, I'm on a diet, and I'm, like, on the road to being thin. Like, it's just, like, completely blackout. And I could tell you that looking looking at you straight in the face, and be doing the exact same thing that you know is causing me so much so much misery. And I I kind of want to. Um, I was walking here thinking about it, and weight loss has been really fantastic. Um, being treated differently. I mean, I used to have people yell things at me on the street. People tell me all the time oh, you're really pretty, but like complete strangers. Um, being shamed in public a lot, people throwing things at me, being, like, publicly humiliated in front of people, where, like, people just start yelling something at me, and I can't, I I couldn't defend myself, because there were so many of them. And, um, so it's great for that aspect, but it's been greater that it's given me a tool for, like, living and dealing with all sorts of situations, from, you know... Uh, a crazy landlord, to customers, to relationships, to relationships with myself. So it, it's like weight loss is a, a really—it's like the big bow on the package, which is learning how to live with life. And it's not perfect. It's not perfect at all today. But I'm—I'm I'm convinced that I wouldn't be alive today without this program. So that was my first meeting. I know I, I kind of go all over the place, but if you listen, you'll it'll make sense. Um, that was my first meeting thirteen years ago, and like they say, I really, really thought I was terminally unique. This was the first place I came where people like actually like seemed like they were saying the truth, but I was still different. I still wasn't gonna talk to you after the meeting. I definitely wasn't gonna call you. That sponsored thing made no sense, and I was gonna figure out how to work the steps on my own until like I forgot. Like I think I've started the steps and I'd be, get to like half of two and then we'll look, you know, life, whatever, there's a butterfly. So uh, eight, and a half year, eight and a half years ago, um, around March, February of 2011, I was just struck with a willingness to try something different. I'm uh, in the East Bay Fellowship, and we have this thing called a way of life. We haven't done it in a while, but anyone's free to try it. And it's basically we read the AA 12 and 12 and we have an open discussion once a week, and the requirements is that you have to have a sponsor. So I was just willing—I was just willing to like to see what the sponsor thing is about. And with a sponsor, I worked the steps, which were, boy, program without steps. I'm sorry if you've heard me say this before, but I'm always looking for some kind of analogy. Program without steps is like, you know, you're the one house that doesn't have electricity, and you could—it just like. It, it, I don't know, I don't want to full out say it doesn't work, but it just doesn't work. It only works for so long. Like, I remember, I think one time I was abstinence for maybe two weeks, and that to me was like an eternity. That was like on my own, without doing the steps, without talking to anyone. I would just come and listen, and then I'd like try to piecemeal it together. So, working the steps have been like completely phenomenal, and I'll just kind of focus on um, step one, which was for, like, I was talking about the blackout eating as intelligent as a person as I was, as I am, and being 340 pounds, the food still didn't correlate. It didn't correlate to me that how much I was eating. I wasn't even aware of how much I was eating. I remember one day I was like on a diet and I'd written down what I ate. I had had a full sugary breakfast, two full snacks, which were two full meals, a full lunch, a snack when I got home, about a block of cheese, a full bottle of wine, and then dinner, and then desserts after. And that in my head was a diet. That was a good day. And if I hadn't wrote it down, I would have known what I was doing. So when I think i finally got like less fog, I was like, and I found this piece of paper. I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> that's that's pretty, uh, I wouldn't say crazy because I don't really want to down talk myself. But that's just the nature of it. And uh, so step one is amazing because um, my sponsor told me to write down all the ways that food had, like, made my life unmanageable or insane or unpleasant. And it was like, you know, not being able. And I, I went to a quarter system school. So every ten weeks I had to fly back home. And I just got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I had to have, like, seatbelt extensions. And I'm spilling over into the next person's seats. And then I was smoking weed, too. And it was just, like, a hot mess on an airplane every ten weeks. And then, I like, I feel the shame during that. And then I probably went to go do whatever to get over that shame, and I can't remember it after that. And not until I write it down years later, I'm like, that's, that's horrible. Not like it's horrible, like I, I, I'm a bad person, but it's, it's insane that I un, no, unconsciously put myself through this kind of misery. And uh, so that was, that was a really eye-opening experience. And uh, I probably have like three minutes left. One minute. So um, I'll talk about step two. And sorry I don't get to get through the rest of the other ten steps. But step two is pretty awesome. And um, my relationship with my higher power, like, uh, it ebbs and flows. It's getting bigger, but it definitely ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'm just like, most of the times I'm I'm pretty, like, even. But sometimes I'm just like, ah. (laughs) I'll still ask for help, but I, I don't have any faith in you. And, um. So I was told to fake it till I make it, which I really believe in. And if if you're new to this meeting or if you're not and you don't really believe in a higher power, just listen. You don't have to take it. Take what you like. Leave the rest. It just really works for me because I cannot try to conceptualize anything else other than, like, a God that works. I mean, I'm just not, like, I'll just get into another thought loop, which is, like, my compulsive reading. So they just said, fake it till so I make it. Uh, I have a really vivid Im- imagination, and I would just imagine a ball of light. And my sponsor told me, eat one cup of this, four ounces of this, and two cups of that. And I would just imagine myself handing that thing over. So when I get on my knees and pray every morning, I have a very standard prayer. God, I'm, compulsive, I'm a compulsive overeater. Please help me. May I be of service today. And then I might throw in something like, like let my shop make money today. and uh, And then I imagine my day being handed over to my higher power, and it, it's gotten me this far. Thanks. Thank you.